Welcome to The Rachel Quizip Show. In today's episode, I'm speaking with an incredible human, Jasmine. Jazz is your pricing queen and design superwoman. She's a teal-clad, total foodie and super passionate about pricing for creatives. In her opinion, a creative is anyone who solves a problem in a non-traditional way. And that skill right there, the ability to create something that didn't exist yesterday is more valuable than many realize. Her love of teaching pricing was actually born out of necessity, often having confused creatives who slide into her DMs wanting to know how to price with confidence, clarity, clarity and condiments. She supports her community through her online course, Easy as Pie Pricing, as well as through her community email list and resources she provides on her website. Almost every creative she's ever met is discounting their worth before they even serve their genius. And Jazz is passionate about changing that recipe for success. In today's episode, we're talking about, you guessed it, pricing and how to price as a business owner with confidence. I know you're going to get so much from this conversation with Jazz, so let's dive in. so excited to speak with you today about how to set your prices, but more specifically, how to build confidence in putting dollar figures on your creative genius. Because, you know, pricing our services, products and programs as business owners is tough, even when you've done it multiple times, let's be real. And I know things like, you know, charging what you're worth, how much should I price things, is this too expensive, is this too cheap, some of the questions that I'm asked pretty much like the first coaching session with my coaching clients. And the first thing I always say to them is the charge what you're worth advice is probably leading you astray and isn't the most supportive advice to be thinking about, yet it's the one that we hear the most often. And I know that you have a lot to say about this advice too. So before we dive into all of your incredible tips and strategies, I'd love for you to share why the charge what you're worth advice just isn't helpful. Absolutely. So if you um, are someone who reads Brandy Magazine, you may have seen my recent uh rage-fueled article that I created, um, which was basically charge your worth. What a load of bullshit. And it it was quite funny because when I first started talking about pricing and I was like, yeah, I definitely understand that, you know, charge your worth. That is a, a change. But then you're like, oh, so my worth is tied to how much I make. Ugh. And does that mean that if I am charging less, I'm worth less? No. So I like to kind of change it out for instead of charge your worth, charge your value because the value then talks about what it's actually about, which is the client. Clients are actually notoriously selfish. And guess what? They're allowed to be because they're the one paying the bill. Now, if a client is sitting there being selfish about what it is valued to them, one, that means that they are invested in how you as a service provider, not a person, can bring value to their business and generate them wealth. And the funny thing is that when they generate wealth, the hope or general byproduct of that is it's generating you wealth also. And when I say generating wealth, I'm not talking about like those big gurus and then be like, you know, mindset, money. And no, no, no. 
if you are charging for your creative skills and it's earning a crust for your clients, they are either going to come back and use your skills again and again and pay for that or that you're going to have some kind of system, might be a licensing or a retainer, but by creating that opportunity for them to make money, it also creates money for you too. Yes, I love this. And I totally wholeheartedly agree with you about the value because I also feel like the charge what you're worth, again, like you're saying, you know, it's like, well, actually, you know, I'm priceless, right? Like I'm that special. I'm a snowflake. I am priceless. You are goddamn guacamole. You are extra expensive and so worth it. Right. And I also think then we have other issues sort of come up because then it starts to fall into, you know, things like, well, you know, charging what you're worth, then I want to make this much and I want to earn that much. And it's so great that you pointed out it's actually about the client and not you because we can, without realizing it, making it all about us. And then if we don't get clients, then we're sort of stuck there going, well, what have I done wrong? And I think then we can go into a bit of a spiral. So I would love to know historically why you think you know, we've been taught, and I'm going to say, especially as women in a sort of traditional workforce as well, being taught to shy away from talking about money and talking about our expertise and our value and our skills. And also, if you think this is having a negative effect on some of the financial success that women in business could be having. Yeah, I think it does have like quite a effect Um, And I feel like we're working towards it being more equal, but we are definitely not there yet. I kind of want to take you back to my last full-time employed role. I had applied for this design job in this studio that I was like, oh yeah, this is going to be exactly where I want to be. And I went to the interview, interview went well. I am proud to say that I interview quite well, um, which is probably one of the successes that I've taken into my freelance because every single, uh, my freelance career, because every single client is just an interview. So I interviewed really well. I went in there and I said, um, I'm worth $75,000 a year. As a mid-weight designer in a studio, I am worth $75,000 a year. At the second interview, they came back and they went, oh, we think you're worth 65. And it was probably one of my proudest moments to go back and instead of it being like, no, I don't want you to do that. Like it was actually going, okay, let's reframe this with logic, remove the emotion because it is kind of like an emotional thing and go, and I actually do have the reply email that I sent to them saying, I don't think the best way for us to start our relationship is for you to devalue me before you've given me an opportunity to show you my value. So I will be completely transparent in saying that when I was hired, they met me halfway, so they did $70,000 for the year um, with the promise that at six months it would be met at the $75,000. Five and a half months rolls around, we have a conversation, and in addition to all of the other bits and pieces that were forming this wonderful, toxic workplace that I was uh, finding myself in, I also found myself having conversations of we're not going to do that. We're not going to meet you there. We don't think that this is what you are valued at. This is not what we think you are worth. And I said, then I am no longer welcome here. I am no longer here. I'm no longer ready to be here. And so I actually went and started 
um, looking elsewhere. And I ended up finding myself at Rolex Australia doing three days a week and kind of used that as my transition into full-time freelance. Um, I remember walking back into the studio after I had my successful interview at Rolex and got to give my two weeks notice. And they said, oh, oh, you have to wear that fancy dress or those fancy heels. And I said, no, I get to, because this is now what I'm valued at. This is where, this is someone who's recognized my value. And I feel like that's something really specific and really important to note is that you only need to have one person recognize your value for that to be something that you then take into yourself and say, oh, someone believes that I'm worth this much or I'm valued at this much. Now I can use that as my benchmark for the next time and the next time. And I want to kind of touch also um, on the, the female side of things is that yeah, we definitely have a um, a little bit of a way to go. But I think the most important thing we can do is be championing championing each other and saying, well, actually, we don't need to do the pink tax. We don't need to include that in. We can we don't need to sit there and go, okay, let's compare, let's contrast. We just need to be open and honest with what we as a creative bring to the table, regardless of gender. And you know, just show up as our best, most authentic selves with value, knowing that that's what is important. Thank you so much for sharing that. And I've had very similar stories and I'm sure many listeners have too. And I love that you, in that moment, they're like, uh, no, we're not going to do that. You're like, one, that's a really dick move because you made a promise. And I'm guessing <laughs> that was a verbal, maybe, maybe a contract promise too. But also they just continued to try and devalue you and what mm. thought that you're going to sit there and suck it up. And I love that you're like, I'm telling no, you right now out. that place was majority men. And I also want you to any listener to sit there and hear that and go, Oh wow. She's so confident girl. My fingers were shaking. I was like having um nervous tummy. Like I, I definitely sat there and went, Oh God, this, what if this ruins everything? And at that time, I thought that the only way you could have creative success is if you were employed in a design studio and part of that. And after six months, I decided I did not want to be part of that. I was good. You know, I'm fine. I'm fine with that. Um, I, and, you know, the Rolex job was only three days a week and it had an end date. It was a maternity leave cover. So, you know, it was not what someone else would be interested in. Someone else might be really interested in being in a studio and being there till two in the morning and all that sort of stuff. Nope, that didn't interest me. And you, know, you can't yuck someone's yum. You can only know what your, only, your own tastes are and then feed your own self. And I love that you also pointed out that you only need one person to kind of say yes and to support you. And I think, you know, when you're first starting out or you've recently changed your prices or put out a new service, it's, that's why I think it's hard because in some ways you feel like you go back to ground zero and then you're needing like someone to kind of do that external validation. But I also think there's a lot of internal validation because for a lot of my clients, they think price is the be all and end all, like mm. pricing a service, they increase the price and don't get, you know, anyone purchasing in that moment. It's to do with the price, but often it has to do with so many other factors. And I think sometimes there's a lot of, I suppose, like weight to be placed on 
price and sometimes it serves you and other times it's just part of a bigger puzzle. And I think, mm. again, hearing a story, it made me realize you just shared, you know, you knew what your worth was, you knew like how you wanted to contribute, you knew what kind of lifestyle you wanted. It wasn't just that salary that made you say yes or no. It was all of the other things kind of mixed up in it. And I think that is something to kind of um, think about. And I think it actually flows really well into my next question is because I saw you talking on Instagram about thinking about future you. And it sounds like you've been incredible at thinking about like future you and future success and planning and things like that. And I think for a lot of us too, when we're thinking of price, we're thinking of the price in the moment. I just need to make 10K months. You know, I just need to pay off this bill. I just need this next client. And I think a lot of us kind of get stuck in that cycle and we don't look overall at our finances, business, and the you know, the pricing element that plays into that. So can you share why it's so important for us to also be thinking about a future when making decisions around pricing our services specifically? Yeah. So future you or future me is a, she's, you know, the, the, the woman that has all of like the, the same color drapies and like goes around and paints and has like a billion dogs and has a partner too. And, and has like all these different things that she wants to achieve. I chase moments. I don't chase money. Um, So the moment that I'm chasing is that someone purchases my course and I hear that ding go off on WooCommerce and I get that sale and I don't have to do necessarily more. I'm chasing that moment that a student of mine has that light bulb moment or wins a 10K job. I chase moments. I don't chase money because money, when it's chased, it repels. You need to attract it. So future me, I'm always kind of thinking about and planning for. And future me is a little bit different in that I don't necessarily want to never work. I want a life full of challenges that I can um, overcome with creativity. I want, I dread retirement, not because I think I'll have too much time on my hands. I'll just be like, let me get back in there. Um, But planning for future me means that I have to think about, well, what does my future me need to get there? And it can be really overwhelming to sit there and go, okay, I need to make $1,200,000 this year. Okay. Well, that's 10,000 a month. Okay. So that's two and a half grand a week. Okay. So that's 500 a day. And some days will be bigger and some days will be smaller. So understanding that breaking everything down into smaller parts is going to be really beneficial because that monumental meal of a a yearly salary plus expenses plus everything else that you need to take into account can be very overwhelming. So breaking it down into smaller bite-sized pieces and understanding that as a service provider, you don't need to serve every single one of your clients the exact same way. Um, I personally have some clients on retainers, some on um, project-based pricing some on payment plans. I also have some stuff that is product-based, so it's one and done. It's not about having a diversification of income where you've got like a sticker label and apparel brand as well as being a designer because that can be overwhelming. It's actually changing the way you price to attract that sort of that sort of income and by having all of these different places in place or all these different systems in place you're not relying on just one thing to get you to future you. Um, 
by thinking about them in your future, you can work backwards and see, oh, what might be a hurdle or what might be a good way to create, I don't want to say passive income because I don't think any income is passive that is worth it. Um, But understanding that there's different ways to earn money and you can create a bit of a buffet for yourself so that if one runs dry, you still have others to work from. Yeah, I think that's so important because I think a lot of us, you know, are putting all our hopes and you know dreams and priorities on one or two things. And I'm huge on having like a signature offer. Like that is something that I truly believe. However, even in my own business, I do speaking gigs and I get paid for it. I have more corporate clients and I get paid for those and projects. I have my coaching clients. Like I am also about diversifying income and it allows me to, you know, focus on some things with certain stages of business or life and then focus on other services. And also I think it is smart, you know, with the changes in all the economic situation and things like that to have other ideas up your sleeve. And of course, it doesn't just have to be, as you said, you know, passive income and air quotes and digital products in air quotes, because a lot of those end up costing a lot of money. And again, you know, you need to be actually like looking at the service offerings and product offerings completely to decide your pricing. Do you have any, I suppose, like tips or strategies or like frameworks that you use to sort of make this pricing of your offers, whatever they are, like easier for people? Because there's no kind of right way to price. Like some people mm. might have the same offer and they're charging 10,000, other people 500. And like we said, it doesn't mean that they're worth more or better than the other peer. It's just that they're choosing a different pricing. Yeah. So what you want to try and think about for your pricing is in three slices of the pie, I guess. Um, and if you're someone who follows me, you'll know that everything is food analogies for me because I am deeply a foodie and that is okay. <laughs> so your three kind of slices are your strategy, your structure, and then your solution. So you first want to actually going to flip it up and say your structure. So part of your pricing should be based on the structure of your business. What expenses do you have? What is the overall cost of doing business plus what you want to be making uh, per year, that's how much you need to kind of make. And then your pricing is the structure of that entire number split up between your time and your effort and your energy. We generally call it an hourly rate, but I say it's kind of more a personal hourly rate because it's how you calculate what a job is going to cost to do. Then you have strategy. Now you hear so many like scale pale males talk about pricing strategies and there is definitely a strategy to the way you price you could be pricing um with uh the comparison in mind you may be pricing to know that you are the most expensive or the most or the cheapest in the market or you could be doing penetration pricing which is right in the middle you could be doing it so that you're trying to show that your competitor is potentially worth less because you've got something that is in your strategy that is pricing more. And then you've got the value of the solution. So knowing and understanding what your product or service solves as a problem-solving mechanism is the secret to trying to unlock that whole value-based pricing conundrum, which people do feel overwhelmed with, and that's totally fine. But what you're wanting to be doing is starting with your structure and understanding what it costs 
then recognizing whether you need to employ a marketing strategy to make that cost work and then understanding what the value that you are bringing with that solution and have them all kind of work together to be served up as one whole piece. I highly recommend that if you're putting a price on your time and exchanging time for dollars, you're probably going to either reach a ceiling where your dollar amount is too high or you're working every single possible hour in the day to be able to get by. Understanding that there's different ways to price whether it be project, licensing, creative retainer, as well as a whole host of other ways to price. This is the kind of structure that you need to, or system that you need to kind of put into your business to create success and create wealth. Oh, I love that. And something similar to what I teach. I love that you stepped it out because you're right. There are so many components, like we keep saying, in this episode that like you can't just pick a number out of the air, which people do, you know, they just focus on, well, I want to earn X. No, it doesn't work cool. like that. Why? What makes you, what makes you yeah. ready to charge that? And what problem are you solving that is that valuable to be charging that? I know, right? And we see, I think a lot of the approach is charge what you're worth and then just charge any price that feels good. But I love that you've actually broken it down into something that is more realistic. It's also going to be more sustainable. It's going to serve and allow you to grow and change and mix, thing, mix things up. What would you say would be some of the column, like common kind of challenges or hurdles or problems that your clients and community face, perhaps when they are starting to put this, this strategy into place and they haven't really done it before? So a lot of the time we sit there and go, oh, that's my dream client, but they can't afford me. They're, They're not, not your dream client. client. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Amazing, because one of the uh, one of the tick boxes that you should have for your dream client is they can afford you. Like it seems really simple, but like I've definitely had past clients who I'm like, oh wow, the notoriety around doing a work piece of work for them will be incredible, but they can't afford me. So I need to work out is the value of having them on my resume or portfolio valuable enough to me, not to the client, to me to be able to say yes to that work and understand that's an offset of value that I can then on sell to and make myself more valuable to the next client. Um, it's, it's really common for my students and the people that are on my um, mailing list to come back and go, I'm scared of undercharging and I'm scared of overcharging because if I overcharge, I won't get clients or I'll lose the clients I have. And if I undercharge, then I'm just devaluing myself. And it is a balance for many people, but understanding that you go through phases. So in those first couple of years, you're probably going to actually be undercharging if you are exactly the same as someone who has been in the industry more longer than you or has had more experiences that have added to their creative tool belt. And I'm not just saying um, as designers, but they might have had a business management course that actually makes them really good at solving problems from a business perspective and therefore they have that other extra element to bring to the table. So understanding that you need to go through phases of uh, growing your wealth or growing your value over time, and it 
kind of happens over time. It's kind of like when you first had chili. So uh, my partner, my, my husband is um, a very big lover of chili and I am white girl. I am not someone <laughs> that can uh, handle the hot and the spice. But over time, he secretly added chili to a lot of our foods. I know, right? Um, He's Trinidadian in in, um, his ethnicity. And so it was always something that was part of his um, upbringing and of his food. And so now I'm a chili lover, but it took a while. So understanding that sometimes you just need to have the ingredients that are specific to you, so your own things that you bring to the table, um, your expenses, whether you have a studio, all those sort of bits and pieces and how much you kind of want to be making and knowing that that's going to grow over time, but they're specific to you, not someone else's. Like if you price based off of someone else's prices and or off of a gut feeling, you're probably going to end up hungry. Yes, I love that. And it's so true. I've been so guilty of this. I think we all have by looking at others in the market and then kind of picking something in the middle and yeah, using sort of external factors to choose a price when really it should be internal and what's happening in your business. Like you said, your goals, your dreams, the way things are going to work. So a question that I've been asking everyone on the podcast recently is, to share how they've thrown out the rule book and grown their business their way because I think it's so inspiring to hear how people are doing things differently and are still seeing success with themselves and their clients. So would you mind sharing how getting confident around setting your prices has helped you to build your own aligned and profitable business? It's largely to do with making sure that I understand that each of these different businesses... so. For clarification, I'm going to start that whole sentence again. Here we go. (laughs) So for me, it's understanding that I have my design studio, which is 14 years strong, and I have easy as pie pricing, which is where I teach pricing and teach creativity, creative business building, which is only two years old. So understanding that they're both in very different spaces and I can't expect one to be as successful as the other. I'm very proud to be able to say that, you know, um, Jasmine Designs as a design studio generated $250,000 in the past year. Yeah, Scary freaking thing to say. Like if you had told me that that little Jasmine who was like, no, I'm worth $75,000 a year, like to tell her that this is what current me is like is incredible, but it's taken 14 years to get there. Conversely, easy as pie pricing is just getting its feeting. It's kind of working out how it walks. It's having successes with some of my students who are really kind of growing and and flourishing, but it's also understanding that it's still in its infancy. So I don't think I can do one without the other. I earlier in my um in my journey, I know that I had some people say to me, oh, well, once you get good at the teaching and once you have coaching, you'll get rid of clients. To me, that's not possible. So for me, I need to do one to be able to serve the other. And funnily enough, they've actually come back the other way around because now I build teaching resources for some of my clients in my design studio. So I think that we sit there and we go, okay, you need to have one niche. You can have one niche for each business. You can mix them. You can see how they work together. You can taste test all these different things and understand that you can have 
um, like lots of different offerings and you can take in lots of different things that you might be able to serve your clients with and try them out. I call them a season of yes and a season of no, where you try out something and, and add that to your tool belt of things that you can bring to your clients or to your students and then get to a point where you go, okay, time to cull and get rid of all the things that you don't like doing. I am a designer who doesn't like doing logos. There's my rule book. Uh, I am a designer who doesn't like doing logos, but I love building brands. I love taking a a um, young or a young business and developing out what their design visual footprint is going to look like across everything and be really mindful and really thoughtful about why and where they exist. But I also love sitting there with a student and breaking down the way that they're going to pitch their services to their next client and how they might change the way that they negotiate by instead of saying, no, let's have a bidding war. Well, what can we negotiate that's not monetary? So trying different things for different clients, different students, and understanding that it doesn't have to be perfect now, that it's all an evolutionary process. And I think the other thing that I would say is trying to get rid of the comparisonitis that happens constantly. I can see so many incredible creatives, designers, coaches, teachers who are on Instagram, who are on Facebook, who are out there doing their thing. And early in my um, like coaching career, I sat there and went, oh, but, but they're doing it better than me or they're doing it this way. And should I be doing it that way? Should I be showing exactly how I do that? And, you know, that's a good thing. I should copy that. But I had to push myself out of that zone and kind of go, why not me? There's someone out there who needs my genius, who needs what I'm serving and is not interested in listening to the stale pale males or is not able to take in the information from some of the other coaches that are out there because it's not being served in the way that they can digest. If I can change one, two, three students' lives and get like I had one message me the other day saying, because I watched some of your stuff before I sent off an invoice, uh, sent off a quote, I made an extra $400 this week. Amazing. That's huge. So yeah, throwing out the rule book to me is trying different things, seeing if they work and understanding that perfection is not where we're ha- heading for. Progress and reframing is where I'm aiming for. Thank you so much for sharing that and congratulations on your business successes today. And I'm a huge advocate of having multiple things going on. Everyone listening is pretty much a multi-passionate, so you're definitely amongst (laughs) uh, friends. And I agree. Like I have corporate clients who I'm like doing stuff. I'm literally nitty gritty helping design and content and strategy and that serves my coaching clients. And also I love that you brought up comparison itis because the more that I serve clients in different spots and work with different people and get really good at my craft and coming back to your piece on value, the less I am distracted by what's happening externally, the less I feel that comparison itis. It has not gone away. I wish that oh, I absolutely not. It's always going to be there, but I feel more grounded, more secure, more aligned. And then again, that helps me to choose the right services, the types of clients, the work, the pricing, like everything kind of falls together and I'm not questioning. I kind of know what's right for me and what I do or don't want to be doing in that moment. Mm-hmm. So if a business owner wanted to start rethinking their prices, maybe reevaluating, looking at services, the future of their business, what are three simple things that they can do today? 
First is understand what the cost of your time is. I'm not saying your your hourly rate. I'm saying the cost of your time. So that's that cost of doing business plus your salary divided by the hours that you're able to feasibly bill for and work. Um, understanding what your prices are is really important. Second is define who you're actually talking to. You cannot serve everyone. You are not Nutella nor pizza. You can't be serving. And even pizza doesn't serve everyone. Like, come on. There are some people who hate pizza. Which is just weird. Yeah, it's fine. We'll just let them be. I've got a friend of mine who can't eat Nutella and, you know. Sucks. For sad for them. Uh, <laughs> but you can't be serving everyone. So get really specific on who you're serving and why you're serving them. And three, stop thinking that you are trying to take other people's money. You are not stealing from other people. You are not being greedy by charging someone to be allowed or given a the ability to work with you. You are incredibly valuable to the right client. Yes, I love that so, so much. And it's something that I always have to remind myself and my clients as well. Like when everything comes together, it's just a sharing of resources and knowledge and expertise and a really great relationship. And money is you know, down the bottom of both of our minds. It's not something we're thinking about. It's a consideration. It's not a deal breaker. Mm. So if you wanted listeners to take away one thing about pricing in their business, what would it be? Whilst it's just a number, it's an important number. Don't just think that it's just a number and you've thrown it on. Take the time to work out why because you are going to have clients who ask you why. And if you are not confident in that response, then they are not going to pay you. Yes. And that has happened to me and I'm sure many (laughs) listeners many, many times. So thank you so much for coming on to the Rachel Cushup Show and for sharing your story, insights and wisdom. I know listeners are going to take away so much from what you've shared here today. Thank you so much.